Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. So we're recording today's episode in the morning of Friday the 13th of November. And it's against the background of quite a lot of political intrigue, I think it's fair to say. And that's dominating much of the bulletins and will no doubt keep the weekend papers quite busy. Our focus, however, is on the Q3 GDP figures, which were released for the UK yesterday. And as we come to crunch time for retailers, Nick has been looking in more detail at the sector. So we'll spend some time discussing his findings. And that's something that we'll make available um, in our bulletins and, and on the website for, for people to look at. So, shall we turn first to the GDP um, yes. <clears throat> figures? So, as a reminder, we were officially in recession. So, we had Q1 GDP, which fell by 2.2%, and Q2 fell by that incredible 19.8%. So, yesterday's release shows that the economy is recovering. And just as the Q2 fall was the worst in history, Q3 is the best in history at 15.5%. However, I mean, that's that's the good news bit. Um, it's still 8.2% lower than February 2020. And it is worth looking a little bit more detail at these numbers. So last week, we talked about the Bank of England Monetary Policy um, Committee. And the, the minutes there said, bank staff estimate that GDP in September had grown at a similar rate to that in August, leaving the level of GDP in 2020 Q3 as a whole 9% below its um, 2019 Q4 level. And actually what happened was the September number was 1.1%, and that compared to 2.2%, 2.3% in August. So actually we're, we're lower than that 9% year on year um, and 8% for the, um, for the COVID period. It's also worth um, remembering that the Institute of Fiscal Studies, again, a couple of weeks ago, when we looked at the European roundup, um, we got the numbers for France, Germany, Spain, Italy, had all outperformed their forecasts for the, the growth in Q3. Um, the UK was expected to go about 17.5%, I think, the IFS report. And so we're 2% down on that already. Um, and again, looking for those that, that European comparison, whereas France, Germany, Spain, Italy, around 4.3% down on the pre-COVID level, that 8.2% contraction really mm. is quite significant, isn't it, for the um, for the UK? And Nick, I mean, you, you looked in a bit more detail at those numbers and about where that growth <coughs> is coming from. Well, I, I, I did. And if you dig carefully through the ONS um, <coughs> data, which is a which is a sort of um, wet dream for statistical nerds like me. But anyway, um, you, if you look carefully, pretty much the whole of the 1.1% increase in September was down to construction. Construction was up 2.9% in September. And if you dig within the construction sector, it's house building. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were building lots of houses in September and pretty much not anything else was growing um and it's i mean of course there's there's been improvement um uh it's interesting the ons does turnover indicators it asks um uh, businesses about to report on is your turnover going up is it going down and in in for the f first half of october 
45% of businesses were reporting a decrease in turnover compared to a year previously. Yeah. Um, and in September, that was 48%. So it's it's it, it was improving. Mm. Um, three um, badly hit sectors, um, 72% of hospitality businesses were reporting a decrease in turnover, 69% of arts and entertainment, and 57% of private education and higher education oh, right. businesses. Um, so that is, uh, you know, that's a, a, a worrying thing. And it's quite interesting if you, you know, we banged on quite a lot over the over the past few months about business investment. Now, again, buried within the ONS figures, um, there was a little chart that um, caught my eye, which showed that although business investment had improved in Q3, it's still 20% below the level it was at in the same quarter of 2019, mm. at the end of the, the same quarter. And as we keep on and on saying, without business investment, you do not get growth. Mm. You know, you Are don't you... get growth without investment. With with, with that, um, I, I also um, <clears throat> saw this morning some stuff about uh, the hospitality sector. And I think, you know, the perception with hospitality is that August was brilliant. Yep. Because of the Rishi Dishi scheme. Mm-hmm. September was you know, we That's were okay. out of mm-hmm. out of lockdown, um, not many local restrictions. But of course, then in October, we got into tiers one, two and three and local lockdowns in the north, northeast, New Yorkshire, etc. Mm-hmm. And some figures were uh, published this morning by um, a respected hospitality industry um, uh, a consultancy called CGA, and they right. confirmed that, and they looked at they look at managed pubs and restaurants. So we're talking about the chains, the Green okay. Kings, and the Fullers of this world. Yeah, and their sales fell by a third in October compared to October last year. Wow, third. That's a big. Um, a big and uh, and indeed, in September, the sales were down twenty percent. On the year before, and even in August with the Rishi Dishi, they were down twelve percent. Which, as we, and we were talked saying, about before, that, didn't we? You know, why is that? Because that seems quite counterintuitive. But I think, yeah, you were... the tra- well, the point about that is that you can you can be as busy as you like, but if you only got fifty percent of the covers yeah. in your restaurant, the answer is um, you have to be very busy to be. Uh, you have to be twice as twice as busy as you were a year ago. Just and of course, you can't, yeah, it's yeah. impossible. Yeah, can't uh, can't be, and so uh, and. Uh, again, in October, the number of um, licensed premises open for business dropping 83% in October versus 88% in September. Mm. So you do ask yourself, what on earth will November be like yeah. with us all locked uh, locked inside? Um, I mean, you hope, and I suppose, you know, it's worth just doing a flag to the, um, the support scheme. So the fact that furlough has been reinstated obviously makes a huge difference um to the, those people who are employed in these um in these industries well, but, well, you know well, there's still co- other costs go- ongoing aren't they and all the the pubs i mean we we saw in um in london near the offices beer was just being sold off for 95p a pint just to get rid of the um the stock that that they had because you can't these are can't these products it. that go off aren't they and you can't that's right that's it. right. And and that leads in very neatly, actually, you mentioned the furlough to, of course, we, what we've had this week also is the unemployment figures yes. from mm-hmm. ONS, um, and not a pretty sight they were, Q3. Um, overall, unemployment rates gone up from 4.5% in Q2 to 4.8%. 
heading towards somewhere between seven and eight, maybe 10% sometime next year, early, yeah. early part of next year. And it was just a litany of, of, of horror stories. And bear in mind, this is all pre, this is pre the reinstatement of furlough. Mm. But you know, redundancies increased by a record 181,000 in the quarter. <clears throat> Pardon me, vacancies um, 35% lower than the same point in 2019. Wow. Um, UK claimant unemployment claimant count has more than doubled, 112.4% up since March. The number of employees in the market has fallen by nearly three quarters of a million. <clears throat> and a really quirky stat, um, the, uh, somebody published a, uh, an analysis of online job advertisements. Oh, yeah. and first week of November, online job advertisements, 67% um, uh, down on 2019. I mean, I wonder whether that, could, that would you normally expect retailers to be starting to look for Christmas staff possibly around this time? I mean, that, I guess, the casual and, and bar staff, uh, you know, as, as hospitality venues gear up to Christmas and yep. so on with students. So I suppose that, and, you know, that just won't be the same this year. Those are, it's not, those jobs are not a question of being delayed so much as being lost. Um, that, this, oh, yeah, you're right. Year. You see, I mean, in, in retail, yes, for sure. Um, the online businesses and like Amazon and ASOS and Boohoo and the online elements of people of for example the supermarkets yeah. um they're gearing up and employ and, and taking on staff. I think there's a retail consumer uh experience meltdown coming because it's quite clear that uh even if we get back to normal on the second of December and we can all go out shopping the online functions of pretty much all of these um, businesses could easily be overwhelmed. I mean, they were signalling two weeks ago that they weren't sure they could cope if everything was oh, concertinaed really? into that last three weeks of, or sorry, two weeks of December, the whole thing, mm. which is why they were desperately saying to people, if you're going to shop for Christmas online, do it early. Yeah. Do it early. So, yes, they're gearing up. Yeah. Um, but physical stores, who's, you know, um, at the moment, if you're running, you know, one of the last remaining department stores, um, uh, you know, are you recruiting casual staff for Christmas? You don't even know if you're going to be open. Going to be open, exactly, exactly, you and, and then even be open because as well, we, we, I think the, I mean, again, I'm not sure that's actually been confirmed about this tier. Are we going back into tiers after? So, do we all emerge on the second of December in in England at least um, back to tier one restrictions, or do those local restrictions up in the uh, the north well, the, still the, the, the hint? Base? I, mean, I mean, Boris's hint at the time of announcing the second lockdown was that we would come out the other side back into the tiers we were we were in before or else into whatever tier the numbers suggested was appropriate um so we don't know so there's no guarantee actually there's no guarantee that that shops can um can open and i think you know our anecdotally you know where, where i live for example the john lewis as as um had shut and the staff there were being redeployed in waitrose and being deployed as drivers and so on so actually yeah. you know it's not necessarily new staff it's actually it's trying to find work for um existing staff um in within these places. yes and, and and of course that brings us around neatly to um retail yeah as okay. a sector as a sector um i was 
provoked into this. One of the things I follow, because I do a lot of stuff on retail, one, one of the uh, places I follow is a wonderful website called Who's Gone Bust in Retail? Right. And, and, and now after many years, they're even spelling the who's right, which is good. <laughs> they, um, but anyway, they analyse major retail failures. I'm not sure there's any clear um, uh, definition of what, what is, a, is, is a major failure. But anyway, they capture them. They've been doing it um, for a very long time. Their series of analysis goes way back into the, into the noughties. Right. Um, and on November the 6th, when I looked at this, they had updated their site and 2020 is now the worst year on record for major retail collapses. It even eclipses 2008 mm. at the beginning of the global financial crisis uh, when the numbers were skewed by the collapse of Woolworths, for those yeah. who remember mm-hmm. Woolworths. Um, up to the 6th of November this year, 51 major retailers in the UK had failed putting 4,200 stores at risk and 83,000 retail jobs. jobs. And, and just remember, these numbers, for reasons I won't bore you with, um, of reasons with which I don't agree, don't include CVAs. I mean, we which, know we had lots of CVAs over the A lot of, of CVAs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and these numbers only capture a, a company going to CVA when it subsequently goes into administration, as of course mm. many of them do, or certainly have done historically. And, and the other rather worrying statistic that came out of this site was they what they do is they, they, they identify how many stores and how many jobs are at risk, and then they track how many stores actually close or remain open because of a rescue, right, okay. or how many jobs are saved. And last year, at, 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 at their numbers are so far up to July 2020. Mm. July 2019, um, of the stores affected had closed permanently and and 21% of the staff had lost their jobs, been made redundant. Mm -hmm. This time round, July 2020, over half, 53% of the stores had closed permanently. Wow. So that's that's up from 37%. And 44% of the jobs had gone compared to 21% last year, which is scary. Anyway, so that's... And that's only till July. That's only July. I mean, the numbers I just I referred to the fifty-one retailers and the eighty-three thousand jobs. That's that's November. 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 So that prompted me to go off and do my thing, um, using the company Watch, wonderful analytics and database, and I've done a study of the retail uh, sector, right up to date, bang up to date, um, and. Uh, obviously, as Joe said, we'll put this on the website. Uh, there's yep. a lot of information, a lot of schedules, a lot of detail. But just to highlight the point, the sample of the research was 112,000 companies. Mm-hmm. That's all the companies at Companies House um, uh, who say they operate in retail. Yep. Plus a few who don't admit they're in retail, which I pick up from elsewhere, like okay. Primark which doesn't because it's part of ABF. Anyway, yeah. let's not get yeah. into the detail of that. Out of the 112,000, 55,000 are in the warning area. Yeah. Half. 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 And again, for those, you know, just we should expect a quarter. It's a ranking score. So you expect roughly a quarter of companies to be in the warning in, in, area within a population. So that's, that's right. So, so half of them. Um, even the major retailers, 
the bigger ones, the warning rate area is 34%. Mm. But of course, as you would expect, <clears throat> the uh, the less substantial, the smaller operators is where the real trouble is. Yeah. Because if you look at Businesses with total assets between 25K and 50K, 56% are in the warning area. Mm. And if the assets are below 25K, which is the Indies, Indie yeah. retailers, 63% of them are in the warning area. And, and I think what's striking about it, I mean, gold indeed, and we're, again, we're, these are numbers that are in the public domain and because of yep. the way the filing regime works here, that's typically those, those are the year ends of 2018 because of the you know the unilateral filing extension we had back in in June, which means that the December 19 accounts now yep. aren't due until the end of this year when normally there'll be a second. Yeah, I mean the only the only really current data within this sample is for the major retailers that are listed. Yeah. So they've got and then we've got we've got some early 2020 data, but again, yeah. it won't capture the pandemic period. Yeah. I also looked at um my favorite hobby horse thing, zombie companies with negative balance sheets. Um, and uh, negative to at least a de minimis figure of 10K because, yeah. you know, otherwise it could be covered by a credit card. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, 21,000 of our 112,000 or 18% are zombies, and they have combined uh, negative equity, to use that phrase, mm -hmm. of 2.35 billion. But I then took that another state uh, stage. I'm, a, I'm an old-fashioned so-and-so, and, -so, and um, one of my indicators of a troubled company is if its current liabilities are higher than its current assets. What did we used to call it? The quick asset ratio? Yeah, long, so. long time, <laughs> time ago. So I looked at the companies within the sample that have negative working capital. Mm -hmm. And again, I put a day minimis of 10K. There are 28,000 retailers with negative working capital. That's a quarter of them. Mm. And their combined working capital deficit is 18.5 billion pounds. Wow. Now, I suspect there's a certain element of that, probably around half of it, may have something to do with the fact that three of the major retailers are also banks. So that's Tesco, Sainsbury's, Tesco, Sainsbury's M &S. and M&S. Mm. So... Um, it would not be unusual for um, a, a banking uh, scenario to have negative, uh, to be negative in that respect. Yeah. But nonetheless, you know, even if you eliminate that, we're talking about nine, ten billion of negative working capital, yeah. and I don't think that's a healthy place to be when you're yeah. going, as these numbers were, into a pandemic where you're going to be closed for long periods of time, your revenue is going to be uncertain, mm. your profit margins are going to be hacked to pieces. Yeah. yeah. And um, although, I mean, let's let's remember, so there were, for, for retailers, there was a business rates holiday that, that kicked yes. in um, for the year from, from April. With there have been grants available from local authorities, but things like rent and, you know, other overheads, electricity, all those things <coughs> have still had to be paid and or or, or, you know, are, or are rolling up even if they're not actually yeah, being paid yeah. in cash they're rolling up yeah. so uh, i just think that's you know we've known for a long time uh, we did webinars 18 months ago about mm. retail talking about how fragile the sector sector was but you know we um, there is a terrible phrase in the insolvency game about retail um and, and it's it, it, when you talk to insolvency practitioners who do retail stuff and you, you talk to them, you say, you know, when's your busy time? The answer is Q1. 
And there is a, this awful phrase, which is the retail killing fields, because that's the moment historically, traditionally, <clears throat> when stakeholders like credit insurers, suppliers and lenders, <clears throat> pardon me, look at their risk and their risk at that moment in time after Christmas and the New Year sales is as low as it's ever going to get. In a they've actually got cycle. cash. They've actually the retailers have collected cash because well, the, they've they've turned inventory, which is which is worth two thirds of NAF all, yeah. to to a to a lender looking for security and collateral. <clears throat> um, that's at its lowest point. The companies haven't pushed their trade insurers to cover forward orders for the for Christmas twenty twenty one or whatever. And some of these companies are for the only time in the year are washed with cash. Mm. So if you are a stakeholder looking to walk away from a retailer, January and February is the time you do it. So and it may be interesting, isn't it? Because we've got if, if, let's not forget that all of all of those provisions that stop creditors enforcing debts at the moment are due to end on 31st of December. I mean, I find it very difficult to believe that that's not going to be extended, you know, given what you said anyway, yep. and you know, given given the the kind of politics of not wanting to have a load of of um companies suddenly going bust in in 2021 when there's hopes of vaccine or vaccine. and everything else coming up and then you know might be those green shoots if we want to use that that phrase um yeah that's that's um interesting interesting point and i i think you know for those people who have got risk in that um in that area and are thinking that january will be the time when they they may want to start de-risk. de-risking <laughs> you know beware that 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 may not be as possible as 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 otherwise it, it could have been if it those be. um <clears throat> those things that get extended um i'm conscious nick I, I, oh. ever, we, we start saying we have a quick run through and um and 20 minutes later we're, we're still talking thank you so much i really appreciate you um giving that that overview of the the retail work that you've that you've done and we will make that available um to on our website probably um early part of next next week I suppose to to wrap up. I mean, as we mentioned there, there there is positive news of, of a vaccine, and you know, let's let's hope that spring twenty twenty one will bring more positive outlook. But I, I think that the, the message still is that we've got an awful long way to go between now and March April twenty twenty one. And what, can, what what haven't we discussed? Ooh, what is the thing that we never talk about anymore that we absolutely have to? Oh. Because, the, because the Bank of England continues to ignore it. Yeah, I mean, I did. That was on my notes, and I thought I can't even. I, <laughs> I can't even say anything about it. So yes, the B word. Um, the B word. The B word. So there we yeah, go. Yeah, of course. So that that's that's something to. Um, we'll obviously keep be keeping tabs on that and and bringing any news if there if there is any. Anyway, thank you so much, Nick, for all your work and your expertise navigating through these these difficult issues thank you to everybody for listening and we'll be back next time thanks bye-bye